Welcome to the Shed Podcast. I am your host, Tia Marie Arnold, and I have my co-host, Katrina Butler. Hello, everyone. And we all know her as T. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. We haven't talked much today. We have not. I know. You've been busy. I have been. Hanging with Jeff. Let me tell you about this girl. So (laughs) I wasn't going to go here, but we're going to go here. So I sent her a text early this morning asking her a question. I don't hear back from her until noon. Okay. I'm thinking she has a life. You know, she's working. I'm good. So I'm hanging out with my hubby. We have a date day. We're playing tennis. We're eating sushi. We're doing whatever. All of a sudden, she wants to show up and text me. And I'm like, well, I'm busy. I'm with my boo now. And then she started blowing me up. Like, you okay? Where you at? And I'm like, no, wait a minute now. I done sent the text message at 8 a.m. And I didn't hear from you till noon. And if I don't respond right away... Mm-hmm. We just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> no, anyway. but you have no, I got pulled in this in meetings. You know how life is there. I yeah. And so I could not respond right away. I know. Well, I, I don't have to like at least pay attention. <laughs> a three hour, like, what are we gonna do when the when it snows in Georgia meeting? I mean, it was like <laughs> it was a little much. I mean, I get so, that. I was just, you know, saying how I know. I let you have your space. <laughs> And then it's like, if I don't respond in like 30.2 minutes. Listen, you it's like, important. Listen, chick, where you at? It was business. I asked you a question. <laughs> right. Anyway. Right. So, hi, listeners. How are Hello, you? Everyone. I don't even think I said hi. <laughs> you didn't. Welcome to the yeah, show podcast. I think I did say that. Anyway, yeah, it's okay. I just had coffee, so I got to get it together. Yeah. And I had an amazing dinner. So we haven't done dinners like in a long time on here. Mm-hmm. But I kind of threw together some really goodness and I had, I'm not going to tell you what it is because it will take too long. But so, you know, sometimes when you like eat and then you drink your coffee, you kind of just want to like chill. And now I got to like perk back up. So y'all going to have to just deal with me today. Anyway, so let's go into share. I want to share about an event. I don't know if it was an event, but a small group. It's an event. Okay. It's an event. An event. We went to last week, Wednesday. It was a woman's Bible study. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Sister Tanya, if you are listening, girl, you are anointed. She can pray. She can. Man, she can pray. Mm-hmm. But you know what I really appreciated about going to the Bible study was that um, it was so like laid back, but it was so intense on the word of God. Like we dug in. We I think this week, well, this past week, I, this was the first time I went. So it was about prayer and we like mm-hmm. broke down the Lord's prayer and we had discussions about like what each verse was about and everybody got a chance to share and it just really felt good. And ever since that Bible study, it it was like it ignited me in, back in my prayer life. Like yeah. I was like. I was I was slipping, you know. I got bit. Just we all do. So all you judgmental listeners, whatever. But I don't know about y'all. But for me, I slip. I I get into this little routine where I become like super busy, and I'm like, okay. And and I believe saying the prayers in the car, they're just as powerful. Saying the prayers in the shower, they're just as powerful. But there was something about me and God just having that allotted time and spending that intimacy with Him and like getting his word and praying his word back to him. And so I've been doing that since last Wednesday and the peace of God that has been on me and the Bible tells us, you know, but it's just been so incredible. 
At the same time, there was a lot of attacks that came right after that Bible study. Oh, yeah. You know, and I I believe that God was very intentional about putting it on my heart to go there to prepare me for what was about to come. Well, and I think the thing I loved most about it is when we went in, and I've never been to a Bible study like this, but they're like, turn off your phones and put it in the basket. I know. So we couldn't cheat and like use the the phones, but we, and she was intentional about saying, bring your Bible and having to actually go through. And I I think while that's a good resource to have, you know, actually having that Bible and those pages and being able to flip, I mean, I think that's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, the same for me, it, it just kind of reminded me of like that daily, here's your verse of the day pop up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, there, there should be so much more to that. Right. And, I, and I agree, that's life good. can get busy. Um, but it was just more of kind of like a redirection for me as well. So yeah. it was awesome. It was really good. And just having that community, like, I left there feeling like I knew those women so much more, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So, um, okay. And also, I, so ugh, I don't know if I should go here, but I'm going to go here. So I'm throwing this event. It's a private event with some amazing women in the Atlanta area. I'm super excited about it. But there was one particular person I had invited. I didn't tell you this, so. Um, and I, you know, I we're cool. I've... She's, yeah, she's great, you know, no whatever. But all I got as a response back was, thanks for the invite. I can't attend. I cannot attend. And I'm like, okay. Hmm. Oh. So my question yeah. is, how do you appropriately respond to people when they invite you to things? What's your opinion? Like, am I being petty? No. Because tell me if I'm being petty. I just, I mean, I wasn't like, I'm not mad and I'm not offended because we working on that. We <laughs> we working. I'm we working. Are. God is doing the work. So I did tell myself I'm not going to be offended by that. And we, I mean, we, she, okay, see, I don't want to tell too much. See, and I don't know who it is because then I could be, I could advise you. We were like super, <laughs> I don't know. we were super close for a while. And then, you know, I moved away and uh, I had two kids and I got, you know, I was married and it, listen. Then you just got to let it life, go. Life yeah. happened. But so back to the question, how do you think, you know, people should respond when being invited to something? Is it okay to just say, thanks, can't make it? I mean, I don't know the person in particular, but it may be their personality to be direct and to the point. On the other hand, for me, I mean, I would always, you know me though, I like, I fluff stuff. I mean, that's just my personality. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I really appreciate it. I mean, that would just be me, you know, just kind of explaining like, hey, something's come up or explaining a little bit more about, I just can't make it, you know? Right. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like, I I too am mm-hmm. very well at fluff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't know if it's necessarily fluff or if it's just being considerate. Being considerate. Because someone intentionally thought about you to invite you to something that you made very clear. It's very private. And I, you know, handpicked these particular people that would love to be there and blah, 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 blah. So just to say, now I've had maybe two other people, three other people that were really like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to miss it. I'm A, out of town or I already have something planned or blah, 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 blah. And it's not like, you don't have to tell me the whole life story, but I'm like, even if we weren't friends, like I just feel like that's, and and maybe it's just me, but I just feel like that's just being considerate. It is. I mean, it is. And and I think that unless it's planning center, I don't know if y'all know about planning Uh. center, but you can decline (laughs) and I ain't going to tell you the reason. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I 
I think you're right. I think being mindful in how you respond in those situations is important. And especially when, um, if they are a close friend or a former close friend of yours and seeing how you're trying to kind of get this and launch this ministry. I mean, I think being considerate and careful about how you interact with that is important. Yeah. You know, because that could be the very thing that discourages you from moving forward and them not thinking about it or just in that quick moment saying, eh, sorry, peace out, can't be there. Right. I mean, I think it, it is important to think about that and That's just be a mindful. Good point. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are going to move on to hearts. Uh, we have a very, very amazing woman of God in the room, Miss. Crystal, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing wonderful. So um, Crystal has been in ministry for seven years. She's a mom. She's a worshiper. She is a worshiper. Yes, ma'am. She's just awesome. Her spirit is amazing. She has an amazing story to tell. Um, um, Her story is about hope and her her story emphasizes how to get through um, disappointments And I'm just going to let you share. Crystal, tell us who you are. Tell us about you and then jump on in, girl. Okay. Well, I, like Tia said, I am a mom. Um, I'm a wife and I've been in ministry full time for seven years. After having my daughter, I decided to focus more on that. And my husband still does it and he loves it. So I just kind of focus in on being a mom and trying to be the best wife I can Mm -hmm. Um, and just the best individual that I can be as the Lord works on me. Um, so it's 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 been a journey to get to this point, obviously. Um, me and my husband, we've been married for almost 10 years in September. And we have... Oh, wow. Y'all got married like a month before me and Chad. Yeah, we're like the same. Wow. Yeah, 10 right. years goes fast, Don't I swear. It? I was mm-hmm. like, man. So it's exciting that we made it to this point. Uh, I felt like it wasn't always... It didn't always look that way. You know, you say your vows and you're like, for better or worse. And, you know, you're on it and you mean every word of it, but... You don't really think about what you're really going to face because, you know, we think of the obvious things, financial hardships, mm-hmm. or we think about cheating and we think about, you know, just different things like that. We're like, right. for better or for worse, we're going to stick it out, you know. But I think the last, th- the last thing that we really kind of think about is the loss of a child. Mm-hmm. And um, for us, that was an unexpected surprise for us um, going into it and there's not really any way to prepare for prepare for that. And, you know, so um, we were married at this point for about two years and we decided, OK, we're going to start a family. Let's, you know, all of our friends around us all had kids. So that made the decision a little easier. I feel like you fit in a little bit more, mm-hmm, yeah. you know. And so um, just being able to have a, that family that we wanted. And so we decided to try and we got pregnant instantly. <laughs> so that was exciting. Um, and we were expecting our first child and it was a boy. Um, it was our first son and everything was going well, you know, with the pregnancy, everything seemed like a breeze, no issues, no complications. And, um, we were still doing full-time ministry at the time we were doing worship pastoring. We had helped start a new campus. So we were kind of campus pastoring, youth pastoring, oh, the boy. janitor. We were doing a little bit of everything at the time, but we didn't have kids. So I think people depended on us a little bit more, yeah. um, cause we had a little more time to give. Um, so we were definitely plugged in a whole lot. And, um, I remember going to a doctor's appointment. We were having revival at our church. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to my doctor's appointment. We got revival all week. So we got to be there every night. We're the worship pastor. So obviously we just can't miss that. And so um, I went to my doctor's appointment 
And I had a midwife, not a doctor at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I had always been measuring bigger than normal, which I figured talking with other women, that's kind of normal. And um, I went to that appointment and the midwife at the time did my measurements and she measured my belly and she was like, hmm, you know, looks like you're measuring a little bigger. We're just going to do an ultrasound and just make sure everything's okay. And um, she did an ultrasound and immediately left the room. And I didn't see her after that. After that, a doctor came in. And he was like, we need to get you straight to the hospital. You're not going home. You're being admitted. And I'm so confused as to what's going on because for me, it was just supposed to be a regular doctor's appointment. And um, the doctor had expressed to me that my son had fluid in his lungs. And so his movement had slowed down a little bit. But again, I'm newly pregnant my first time. So I don't really know right. what's normal and what's not unless I'm going to Google everything. Which um, you don't want to do. Yeah, which mm-hmm. can get really scary right. sometimes. Um, you start diagnosing yourself. So, you know, we ended up leaving there right away. And I'm just only thinking about, man, how long is this going to take? I got to get back to church. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm not thinking it was as serious as it was. And so we get down to the hospital and um, they're just trying to figure out, they're running tests on me to figure out if there's any correlation between my body and his and what's causing it. And they've called doctors in California. They're reaching out to all these people and they literally cannot figure out why it's happening, what is going on. And um, I believe what they called it was called high drops is what my son had. And it just pretty much is fluid in the lungs. And I believe the statistics was something crazy, like one out of every 50,000, something extremely rare, where it was like such a fluke that you're like, what are the chances, you know? And so we were in the hospital for a while. Um, They were just trying to get me further along. At this point, I was about, I was, seven months, I was creeping into the eight month mark. And um, they decided to do a procedure on him while I was pregnant. And they went inside of me, inside of him, and they put a a stent, is that what it's called, mm-hmm, in his lungs? Mm-hmm. They put it in his lungs to drain the fluid out. And so for about one or two days, it looked like it was working. The fluid was going down. A couple of days later, it started building back up again. And so we just try to keep me in there and keep him in there as long as possible. Um, So I think we were in the hospital for about two to three weeks or so. And um, I just remember feeling so exhausted because I didn't get any sleep. There were doctors coming in and out. They weren't very nice or very hopeful. Most of them are like, you know, it doesn't look good. So you're fighting their opinions and then you're trying to have faith at the same time. And I just remember feeling just emotionally drained and Um, I told my husband and we woke up in the middle of the night and I just started crying and I was like, you know what? I'm just tired, Mm. you know, and he prayed with me and I just said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I was just like, I don't know. I just, I just want this to be over. You know, we just prayed because I was just so exhausted. And so the next morning they were like, okay, we're going to have to deliver him. He's going to be in NICU. We're going to, you know, it's going to be a long journey. And so we did the, you know, the delivery, we had emergency C-section and he looked huge when he was born because he had so much inflammation like in his skin. I mean, he was big, a <laughs> big baby. Mm. Um, but over the course of a couple of days, he started to lose some of that weight. And um, they tried a lot of things um, to kind of get him where he needed to be. And um, it was just nothing was working. And in the end, they suspected that he was having bleeding in the brain. And so, sorry. It's okay. 
my husband and I made the decision to take him off all the machines to see how he'll do. And it was the strangest thing because when I was there, I didn't have any fear. I didn't have any, and it could have just been all the medicine that I was on. I feel like I didn't really know what was happening in the moment. Like it all happened so fast. And so he lived about three days and he passed away. And he was, we just got into about eight months of pregnancy at that point when we delivered him. And so, you know, had people at church fasting and praying. We had our nursery ready at home. Um, we had like a rush baby shower. People brought a whole bunch of stuff to the church because I was expected to bring the baby home early. And so at about 6 a.m., the nurse came in and let me know that he had passed away. And um, we started to pack up that day to leave the hospital. And um, I remember just, it was the week of Easter and my husband's birthday was also that week. And so it was a lot going on. And I remember that morning for some reason, uh, the song, I don't, I can't remember who sings it, just kept playing in my mind the all of my life in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. And I just kept hearing that. And I played that song on repeat as we packed up leaving the hospital. And I didn't feel heavy. I didn't feel this sense of grief yet. It was just this, I feel like I was in the first stage of grief of shock, you know, mm-hmm. didn't really feel anything. I just felt like, Lord, you're good. It's all good. You know, thank you for choosing me to walk through such a thing. You know, me and my husband are really positive because it hadn't really hit us yet. Right. And I don't think that it did until we were at the funeral where it started to slowly start to hit wow. us. So he passed away Monday. We buried him on Thursday. And I remember at the funeral, our pastor at the time, was he spoke at the funeral and he said, he was sharing the story of David and Bathsheba and how he was going to have a son and God told him pretty much, this is, you know, my translation. (laughs) Um, I do it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much your son's going to die. Like Mm. that's what's going to happen. And he was so distraught about it, you know, tearing his clothes, crying in the streets, just really dramatic. And everyone's looking like, oh God. And so um, his son does die. And he notices, David notices that people are whispering on the side and he realizes, okay, my son died. And they were afraid to tell him because they're like, if he's acting like this and his son's not dead, what is he going to act like when he finds out? Mm -hmm. But he knew when he saw them talking that it happened. And he got up off the ground, he washed his face, cleaned himself up, and he went into the house of the Lord to worship. And um, they were like, why would you do that? And he said, you know, he can't, I can't go to where he is but he can come to where I am, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so he goes into the house of the Lord and he worships the Lord. And my husband and I, for, we weren't planning on doing worship that weekend. We were like, you know, we're just going to take some time and process it. And after, at the funeral, we decided, you know what, I think we're supposed to do worship this Sunday. And we were like, okay, we're going to do it. And you know, the thing about it is it taught me like to not worship from a lot of times emotionalism And it taught me to worship from my spirit because the Bible says the hour cometh and now is when they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and in truth, not emotionalism and not that our emotions aren't involved sometimes, you know, and I think we just have an obligation as leaders, you know, I can't get up there and just, you know, play on people's emotions. Everyone knows what happened and, you know, we kind of get caught up in this emotional experience and we don't really experience the presence of the Lord And so like to get to a place where we had to separate the two, where it's like worshiping from our spirit versus worshiping from our emotions, because 
God didn't change. That's right. His faithfulness didn't diminish. His value didn't diminish. His worthiness was still the same. He was just as worthy on Thursday as he was on that Friday when my son my son was born. He was mm-hmm. just the same. He was the same God. He was just as good, just as faithful. Nothing about the Lord changed. My circumstances changed, but he didn't. That's right. And so my worship shouldn't be affected by my circumstance because God's value does not diminish. It does not change. His faithfulness, that's his DNA. It's who he is. Even if my circumstances look like they contradict his character, he remains true. You know what I mean? And so for me, I had to get to a place in worship where it was like, God, this doesn't make sense, but none of that matters in the moment because you're not any less worthy than you were yesterday. You're not any less worthy before I had a child. And so it pushed me to a different place in my worship. It pushed me to a different place of like just experiencing trials and tribulations and being able to worship past that. Not so much worshiping through it and in it, but worshiping beyond that. Mm. You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm, yeah. And so, we, you know, we led worship that Sunday and it was awesome. Like it felt liberating and it was good. And we were still on this high of like, God is good. But as the days came, it didn't feel that way. You know, I feel like there was a lot of distance in our marriage. There was a lot of uncertainty there. And um, we had to make a decision like this is either going to make our marriage the best it's ever been or it's going to completely destroy us. And um, the strangest thing is that his parents actually um, went through the same thing. His mom and dad lost their first child, their son. I think he was probably—I don't know how many months he was, but he was— a little older, and he their first son passed away. And his mom looked at us at the funeral and said, you know, believe it or not, I believe that that was the root of why we got a divorce. Even after five kids, they never dealt with it. Wow. And so for us, it was like a wake-up call, like that's going to be us. If we don't, yeah. If we don't yep. face whatever it is, we're, this is going to suck yeah. and it's going to hurt. But if we don't deal with it and we ignore it, I don't want us to have 10 years from now, we look back and we're getting a divorce because we never faced and dealt with the pain of that. Yeah. And so I felt like it was an, an assignment of the enemy to destroy us, of course, but I believe that God works everything out for his good. Absolutely. For sure. So, you know, walking through that, I was on, I had a lot of issues with my body. So I was on painkillers from the surgery. I was on muscle relaxers. I was on antidepressants and anxiety medicines, like so many things. And so that's kind of how I was coping for a while was through that. And I felt like it got to a place where I became addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And it was like me going to lead worship and I wasn't even there anymore. Like I felt like at one point it was just literally, it was too much to carry. It was too much to face that reality. And um, I felt like it was becoming an addiction for my life. And to the point where I was thinking, where can I hide these from my husband? Because I don't want him to take it away. Because it was my way of... You were numbing it. Yeah, I was numbing it. I wasn't facing it. I was just, it was just so much to feel. And so I remember going to this breakfast with some of the ladies of our church. It was like the pastor's wives. And it had to be about maybe three weeks to a month. Well, probably was more than that. Time was like, who knows? Everything just felt like one big blur. So I don't know how long it was at this point, but it was pretty, pretty soon or pretty close to the time of us losing our son. 
And we were sitting at breakfast and all the ladies are sharing their pictures of their kids. They're telling their kids stories and grandchildren and videos. And I just remember sitting there like, are you serious? Like, and I don't think people mean to be hurtful or insensitive. I think it was just ignorance, you know, and I think sometimes people, because they don't know what to say, it just sometimes they say the wrong things. And sometimes they're not mindful. That's true. Of what other people are going through. That's very true. Yeah. Inward focus. That's very true. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like sitting at that table, I was just like, I wanted to leave because I'm like, are we really having this conversation? Or I would have been, I would have felt better if you didn't invite me at all and you could have this conversation without me. And so I went to the restroom and I remember taking more pills. I was like, okay, again, trying to numb that. And so where it started off at this dosage, then there's a mixing of this and, you know, it's not really working as much. So I need a little bit more. And I remember sitting at the table when I got back and I felt myself blacking out while I was sitting there and I'm thinking, oh God, like, okay, maybe that was a little too far, you know? So I'm sitting there and everyone, you know, we're leaving breakfast at that point and we're like, okay guys, see ya. And I mean, who am I going to tell? You know, I got to drive back home. I'm on staff. I'm a pastor's wife, you know, like I'm struggling. I need help, but I don't know how to ask for it. Absolutely. So I'm just like, what do I do? And I remember getting in my car and I heard God's voice say, if you drive this car, this is how the enemy means to take you out. Like, Mm. this is it. And so it was terrifying because I knew it was between death in my pride. <laughs> and I had to make a decision. Like I had to tell somebody because I could not drive home. And if I was going to, you know, walk in my pride and drive home anyway, then that was it. Yeah. And so uh, I just happened to park next to the youth pastor's wife of the other location. And I waved her down and I sat in her car and I just told her, this is what's going on. And um, talked through that a little bit. I got counseling. I did some more grief counseling. Actually, early last year. Like, I mean, it's been a process and, you know, it didn't take a meeting. It didn't take a, you know, me sitting down. And for some people, you know, that has to happen. But I feel like God's voice for me was enough where Mm -hmm. it was like, you know what, this is going to suck and this is going to hurt really bad, but I'm willing to walk through it. I'm willing to face it. And it was a lot to carry at the time, but I was willing to walk through that season of my life and get the necessary help. Um, in stages, because I honestly believe that healing comes in stages, stages you know? And so even now we're in 2019 and there's still layers of healing that yeah. the Lord is doing in me. And um, in all of us. That's yep. the truth. It mm-hmm. takes time. Yeah. And I was listening to this um, random video. You know, you get sucked into the YouTube hole sometimes. You mm-hmm. start with one video and then 20 minutes later, you're like, <laughs> how did I get here? So that happened to me, um, I would I want to say earlier this year, and I somehow got stuck on this video, uh, Priscilla Shire, and mm-hmm. there was another lady, I can't remember, she's like a doctor, neurologist, but she's a Christian lady, mm-hmm. she's amazing. I got stuck on this video, and she was sharing this story, and it really just messed me up because... You know, we see things in the Bible, or sometimes we don't, and we hear a story, we're like, oh, where is that? Like, right. it's like a whole new revelation. And so the story that she was talking about, Jesus sitting, Crystal's translation. Okay, again, yeah, we got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can Google it and figure out the address later, <laughs> but I'll just share the story. I'm sure you can find it. Um, so Jesus is sitting with the disciples, and they're having supper, and he says pretty much, hey, the enemy means to sift you as wheat. Mm-hmm. He's talking with them. But then he looks over at Peter, and he says, but you, Peter... <laughs> 
I've prayed for you specifically that this coming trial, that what you're about to go through wouldn't separate you from me, but that you would, you know, that you would, when you come through it, you would turn around and refresh others. Now, first of all, if Jesus looks at me and tells me that he's praying for me, (laughs) that doesn't make me feel so great. I'm like, but Lord, (laughs) you can stop this at any moment. Like you don't, I don't have to go through it because you're Jesus. Like you Mm -hmm. could just pause it. And he could have done that for Peter. He could have said, Peter, you're not going to experience it. No, he looks at Peter and says, Peter, you're about to go through something. I'm going to pray for you specifically. Mm -hmm. Like that's terrifying, you know, but it's like a reality check to know like Jesus didn't deliver him from it. He said, you're about to go through it. But when you come through it, you're going to turn around and refresh others. And it was like so eye-opening because we just, we don't want to go through anything. We don't want to face anything. And sometimes we pray, Lord, whatever you take me through, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to follow you to the end. And was soon the first sign of any kind of trouble. We're like, oh, Lord, I can't, you know, we're Mm -hmm. ready to give up. We're ready to run away. But it's just very interesting to me that Jesus just says, I'm praying for you. Hmm. And when you come through it and when you come through it, you're going to turn around and you're going to help others pretty much. And that is a powerful thing just to think that we are so quick to just pray trouble away. We're so quick to just say, God, I don't want to. No, thank you. Lord, don't let me go through this on my job. Don't let me face this. Oh, Lord, don't let. And we just so quick to pray away trouble instead of saying, Lord, my prayer is not that I wouldn't struggle, but that I would be strengthened. Like Priscilla Shire said that, and I just wept. And I'm like, oh, it's such a terrifying prayer to pray. Like, Lord, I don't want to not struggle, but I don't want to go through struggle. (laughs) You know, but it's like, but Lord, there's a one of the things that I think she said, or maybe it was the other lady, I can't remember her name. She said, Lord, help me to honor you above my comfortability. That's good. Ah, that's terrifying, but it's so honest and mm-hmm. it's so real. Like, Lord, I don't want to pray for trouble. I mean, I'm walking through what we went through the last, I've been very careful about what I pray, but to get to a point where you grow beyond that and you say, Lord, I don't want to be delivered from struggle. I don't want to pray that I wouldn't struggle, but I pray that I would be strengthened every time through every situation, through every obstacle. My prayer is not that you deliver me from it, but that you would strengthen me in it. Well, that's where your anointing comes from. That's good. That's uh, it's in that crushing. It's when God is pressing you and he's squeezing those things out Mm. of you. I mean, you look at everyone that in the Bible that did such wonderful things for the kingdom of God, they all suffered. Yeah. And the Bible tells us to rejoice in our suffering. And so that's that's so good. I just had to and and even thinking about Jesus, God could have took Jesus, his own son, off the cross. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. But he had to sit in it and had to be persecuted. But for what? Because there was a greater victory on the other side. So good. And so since we are now made in the image of Christ, there's a greater victory on the other side. Yes. That's so good. Yes, girl. And there's no one who understands it more than he does. You know, and I think, no, you know, and I try to bring that to Lord. You don't know what I feel. He's like, really? (laughs) Like, we're going there? Right. You know, and it's like, 
There's no one who understands that more than him. Mm-hmm. And it's the hard thing because the one who allowed it is the one we have to run to that he's the only one that can fix it. Yeah. So it's like, not that he caused it, but he sure allowed it for yeah. a reason. Yes. And he's the only one that can fix it. He's the only one that can heal it. So we spend so much time running in the opposite direction. And he's like, well, whenever you get around to it, you're causing more trouble than than right. is necessary. But yeah. whenever you're ready, I'm, I'm right here. Yeah. You know? And so- I mean, that's powerful. Like, there's victory on the other side. There is. And I will say, in that season, I couldn't see past the day I was living. Yeah. It was literally like this dark cloud of like, I couldn't picture myself two years from now, 10 years from now, you know, where I could not imagine that. I was just in that moment and stuck there. Like, that was grace in that season that God brought me through that. Yeah. And it's not that he just picked me up and carried me. He made me walk some. That's right. <laughs> there were moments where he did pick me up and sometimes he probably drugged me a little bit. <laughs> but That's you know, so like right. you know, it was it was a struggle, but it's like being getting to that place where it's like just not getting stuck and not staying there is the thing. And this is like the most randomest revelation, but I was driving down the street. I was driving on the highway one day. And this was a little after the fact, and I'm still walking through that healing. And I was driving home, and I was took this odd job of doing photography. This was after we left um, ministry. And um, I was driving home, traveling a lot, and it was storming. I mean, it was terrifying. Like, there's about to be a tornado any moment. The trees are blowing. The skies are getting dark. And you just see brake lights mm-hmm. on the highway. Like, everyone's slowing down. People start pulling over to the side. And, I mean, my car is shaking. And I just think— I just want to get home. Mm-hmm. Like my, you know, at this point mm-hmm. we have our daughter. I'm like, my husband's at home. My daughter's home. If I sit here, it's not going to make me get to my daughter or my husband any quicker. So I'm just going to keep going. Now I may have to adjust my pace. I'm not going to be able to go as fast as I was going. Right. But even if I have to go slow, I'm going to keep moving. Keep moving. And I remember mm-hmm. just driving through that storm, terrified. My heart is pounding. I see all the cars pulled over. I'm like, Am I using wisdom? You know, but I'm driving and I'm driving. And, you know, a couple miles down, I get past the storm and it's like sunshine over here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. And I remember looking in my rearview mirror and thinking, man, those people back there, but they only knew. They just keep going a little bit further. Yes. The sun is on the other side. Yes, like, ma'am. but you're, they're just sitting in the storm that's not going anywhere. Mm. Like, they're going to have to keep moving if they want to get to the so other good. side. And I was just like, Lord, like, and the God's speaking to me, so I'm going in in the car. I'm like, Jesus, like <laughs> there's the sun on the other side, you know, yeah. and sitting still in that storm does us no good. Yeah. None at all. But you know what? You got to have that relationship with Christ to be able to see that sun on the other side of that's the storm. That's true. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can have faith and have peace in knowing that even though we're going through the storm, no matter how fast or no matter how slow, we're still covered, guarded, shielded mm. by Christ. We're yes. in him going through it. Yes. And we're going to see him on the other side. Yes. But without him, pretty much stuck in the storm. Yeah. That's pretty that's pretty much it. Yeah. Having that revelation that there's something on the other side. I just have to get through it. Yeah. If you have to adjust your pace, it's okay. So tell me how so tell me how did you get out of so you got some you got counseling and of course you talked about how it's a slow progression of healing, but you also mentioned your daughter. Yes. Tell us about Miss Cadence here. Yeah. So um, we had another child, which was really exciting. We have was our, that scary, though, for you? Terrifying. Because 
you know, and I've had people say, I've had a miscarriage before, so I understand. I'm like, no, it's, I'm not different. belittling it. I know that it's just different. Yeah. You know, a miscarriage and burying a child is not the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I don't think this one's greater than the Absolutely. other, but I definitely think the experience is completely different. Um, but that definitely terrified me because, and I would say I still struggle with that now because it was give, being able to give my child back to the Lord because mm-hmm. I'm like, it's hard to trust and know that you don't have control. Yeah. That's a t- that's probably my personality is I like to have be in control of different things. And that for me has stripped me of control completely mm-hmm. where it's like, ultimately you can decide whatever you want to do at any moment. You can say, here, I'm going to take your child and I have to be okay with it mm-hmm. because you're God. Like there's nothing I can do about it. And that's terrifying. But to go get so far along in my pregnancy and for that to happen was probably the most terrifying because I would have te- nightmares. I mean, wow. it was just a rough process of walking through that. Um, and I didn't have peace until I'm like, I have the baby home. And then even then I'm like, is she breathing? Yeah. You know, every five minutes I'm, I still get up in the middle of the night and I walk in a room like, you know, is she okay? Did she fall off the bed? Is she going to break right, right. her neck? You know, so I'm probably a and little that's the mom and, paranoid. But that, and that's the mom and you still. Okay, that's normal. That's, that's normal. Yes, okay. I've woke up several times and just like looking over the crib, like just waiting to see the, <laughs> the covers move a little bit. Okay, you know, the yeah. first night my son actually slept through the night, mm-hmm. I was like, is he alive? Yeah. Is he okay? Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And Jeff's like, babe, he's sleeping. I'm like, should he be sleeping this long? You yeah. know? <laughs> And then you complain when they don't sleep at all. Yeah, you got to find that happy medium. (laughs) But yeah, we have a beautiful daughter. She is four now. And so she's a gift. She's special. And, um, you know, there's always tests and trials and different things that the Lord teaches us. Me and the Lord has had, we've had a very, you know, interesting time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in the last seven years, it's been very interesting um, our daughter was diagnosed with autism, so that was another battle we had to go through. Me and Jesus, like, okay, mm. really? Yeah, Can, you know. How, so how how did you take that? I, my child also is autistic, and you know, there's diff- there's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. No autistic child is the same. Mm-hmm. But was that? I know, like for me, I I had a little battle out with with God as mm-hmm. well. So for you to have what you walk through with your son and then to walk through this, you know, was that hard for you? Was there a lot of questioning? Like, what are you doing? Definitely. Um, there was a lot of anger, I felt like. Okay. And even just questioning, like, did I do something wrong? Mm. Like, because you, you watch people have kids who don't even want them, you know, right. or kids, mm-hmm. you know, people who yeah. are just and I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to do everything right. And somehow, you know, here we are. And so, but I think the the transition mentally for me has been that God has been showing me more and more the blessing in that. And didn't mean it's easier. Yeah. But I'm learning, you know, yeah. how to parent differently. And so I think the parenting is a lot more difficult um, for us just right now. I think it's gotten easier. Um, but that communication barrier and so me and the Lord had to walk through that a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, but her name is Cadence. And I remember the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, after she was diagnosed, like she just beats to a different rhythm. Wow, I love that. You know, and I'm like, and that's his, you know, yeah. and she may not look like everybody else and, you know, act like everybody else, but she's special. 
She's, she's exactly how God she wants her to be. Oh. And I think one of the gifts in that is that the Lord is even showing me that like, you know, she doesn't know if kids don't want to play with her. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make her sad, you know, because she's so in her own world. She'll play by herself and be content. Yeah. And so even though I want to beat a kid down that right. treats my child, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the mom and me, I'm like, how do you handle that, Lord, yeah. in a safe, godly adult way without right. going to jail? <laughs> you know, even though I want to like jump to her defense and I'm mm-hmm. like, it's just so crazy because she's not offended. She's not affected. It's not like, oh, they won't play with me or right. they don't like me. She is just in her own world. And I'm like, we could learn a lot from that oh, as yes. adults, yeah. as believers, mm-hmm. that we are so not affected by the opinions of man, yeah. but that the only thing that matters is what our father says about us. Like she's delighted. We're like, good job, Caden. She There's loves a sense praise. Of freedom in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there is. Yeah. So I think there's, it's a blessing in it. And I think at first I felt like it was a curse. I think I felt like at first I felt like, why me? What are yeah. you doing to me? What did yeah. I do wrong? Can I just have one you know, and I think there's fear in having more. It is difficult, yeah. you know, and I think um, there's fear in, in having more, but then there's healing in the journey, which yeah. leads me to where I am now currently. Uh-huh. I am currently pregnant, yes. um, but I am not carrying my own child. I am a surrogate for a friend, well, a gestational carrier. So wow. there's a difference. Okay. Surrogacy is... My DNA would be involved. Oh, okay. Gestational carrier, my DNA is not involved at all. Okay. So okay. I'm just going to. So you're just carrying the just baby. Just carrying yeah. the child. Wow. So, um, yeah. So the, I think it'll be a little more difficult if I, I don't think I'd do it if it was surrogacy because. It's part of you. That would be strange. Would, yeah. It would be. <laughs> to see a part of my face with like my friend's. <laughs> I'm like, mm, you know, mm-hmm. that would be strange. But um, I, we, my husband and I prayed about it, and it was something I had never thought I would do, never thought about it, didn't cross my mind. You know, you yeah. hear those stories. It was not in my plan at all. But when my friend was sharing um, her story and some of the things, because I know that she'd been trying, and um, so, you know, checking in with her, I said, how's it going? You know, um, she's like, well, it's not looking good. It doesn't look like we'll be able to have kids. And it's expensive for the for her to get a surrogate. Like, mm. super expensive, going through an agency, a lot of work. And then you have to think about who's carrying your child. And she's one of those people, like, spiritual, where it's like, I don't know what kind of spirits they have. Right, I don't right. know what they're oh, doing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you want to know the person who's carrying your child, too. Yeah. What are they eating? What are they around? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I remember when she first told me that, my heart was just like, I just wanted to offer myself, like, here, I'll do it. You know, but I knew, okay, I'm married. I just can't go offering my body right. like, here, I'll do this. And so I kind of, you know, didn't say much about it. And then she mentioned that someone was going to do it for her. And she's like, oh, one of my friends, she was like, that's an awkward thing to ask. So she's not going to ask somebody to do it. So she had a couple people offer and then randomly they just disappeared or they just stopped responding. Wow. Or they're like, well, you know, we want to pray about it. I'm like, that's something you pray about before you, you tell you the person, right. yeah, you don't, you don't you do don't that. Say I will, and then oh, let me pray. Yeah, yeah that's not really kind fair. of heartbreaking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So I watched her go through that, and just kind of like it broke my heart more. And so I'm like, well, everyone keeps like backing out. Like, Lord, are you telling me to do it? So I mentioned it to my husband, and he was like, okay, let's pray about it. You know, we prayed about it for a while, and um, we told her and. She cried. Her husband cried. It was just like the best thing ever. So it's been like a whole Mm -hmm. process of 
It's been a lot of work. Wow. Um, but it's been awesome. I feel like the Lord was just, it was kind of like God giving healing, another layer of healing in this season of that. And yeah. I feel like yeah. it's kind of like a slap to the devil. Yeah. Like, you know, you thought it took one out, but I'm going to give life to someone else. Like, yeah. you know, like, I know he hates it, but I love it. I love that he hates it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? awesome. So I definitely wow. think that that's awesome. And it's been a year of trying to get the process going and everything. And so we officially... Did everything in March, the end of March, which just happened to be around my son's birthday when they yeah. did the official uh, transfer of everything. And then we confirmed the pregnancy. It was, I believe it was a day before my son's uh, death, like before wow. he passed away. Wow. So what normally is this, for me, every year around this time, it's normally just emotional. It's not even like subconsciously. I'm just yeah. kind of emotional and yeah. emotionally eating. It's just my body kind of feels that grief. Right. And this year, I didn't feel, I forgot. Wow. It was the first, because I was so excited about what was going on uh -huh. and yeah. the doctor's appointments and, oh my gosh, it's going to happen and counting down. And, you know, that it was like, I looked up and I realized, oh my gosh, like, and the Lord reminded me because I was kind of frustrated it was taking so long. Yeah. And I remember looking at God, no, God woke me up in the middle of the night and was just like, look at your calendar, like. Do you mm. know what time like this is? And I didn't even realize it was literally the same season. My son's birthday and his passing away was the same exact time we did the transfer. Wow. They confirmed the wow. pregnancy. And I was like, your timing is perfect. He's like, I mean, yeah. hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so it's been good. And I'm excited for it to just, people are like, why would you do that? Like, that's terrifying. Is it going to be hard? I'm like, it's only nine months of my life, you know? And so I get to give something to someone else for like the rest of theirs. And I think that's... What's going to bring healing to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's healing for, sure. for me and it's a blessing for them. And, for sure. Yeah. You know, and my daughter, the good news is I don't have to explain it to her quite yet, you know, because yeah. she doesn't understand that kind of thing. So I don't think it'll be that attachment of, right. oh, where's my si sibling going, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so that again, God's timing and God works things out perfectly. And so people are like, how are you going to explain it to your daughter? You know, right now I don't have to. Yeah. Except for, hey, there's a baby in mommy's stomach, but she doesn't really understand that concept. So it right. makes the process a little easier with that. So. Wow. Yes. Wow, Crystal, this story, your story, your testimony is so encouraging. And we're going to actually move into encouragement. And I want you to, there's so many pieces and layers to the things that you walked in. And... I think what could probably encourage the listener the most is how you overcame, like how you got to a place of trusting God in the midst of all of that. The fact that you went through, like a, a lot of people would turn their back on God. A lot of people would be like, oh, this Christianity thing isn't real. Um, how did you find God in that? You know, talk more about that. And how can you encourage somebody to find God in the midst of something that is so disappointing? Hmm. I think it, it gets, I think that's where it gets a little difficult in a sense of I've grown up in church. And so, I mean, there's a difference with growing up in church and growing up with a relationship. But I've also grown up with having that relationship with God at a very young age. And um, honestly, do you struggle? I mean, you talked about your I mean, struggle I, with God. I, I, so. I struggled for sure. I think the difference is understanding 
I think the only thing that kept me, because let me tell you, there was temptations to just walk away from everything. Like, I mean, to the point of like, leave my husband, like, because it was a reminder, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I just want to go and just do something completely different. But there for me, it was the fear of God that I know him. Like, it was weird because it's like, above all else, I can be upset. I can be angry. I can yell at you. I can just about cuss and do everything else. But the reality is I couldn't deny that he was real. Yes. And so for me, that was enough for me not to go crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, I can be upset. I can feel all of these emotions. But one thing I know is you're real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I've experienced, like I've had too many things in my life that I've experienced you enough and I've read your word enough. Like I don't doubt that you exist. And that alone was enough for me to not, get to a place where I completely walked away yeah. because I'm like, I know that you're real. And I know that there is nothing out there better than you. Nothing that the world can offer me that's better than you, even though I'm upset with you yeah. at this moment. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think it can be equivalent to any relationship that we have with a person, maybe your spouse, you know, or a best friend. You have those rocky relations, those rocky moments. You have those difficult situations. But what keeps you grounded in that is the history that you have. So I'm hearing knowing God, spending time with him and knowing him. And I I love that because that's why it's so important to have that intimacy. We talked about prayer earlier, you know, at the yeah. beginning of the podcast, like having that time with God, because that is when you get to know him. So when those storms of life do come and you are, you know, kind of shaking or whatever, you're not going to forget who he is. You're not going to forget his faithfulness. You mm-hmm. We are such a forgetful people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can only speak for myself, but just always looking back and saying, well, I, God did this and he did that and he did that. So it's your story reminds me of Job so much. Like, it just seems like God allowed certain things to come your way. He didn't cause it, but he allowed it. He could have stopped it, but he allowed it mm-hmm. to happen because he knew you were going to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And he knew that you were going to one day proclaim his glory, not based off of life circumstances and him giving you everything that you want. Because some people think God is a Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That's not what he is. He cares more about our spirit and who we are and not necessarily our circumstances. That's the truth. You have that and, Job anointing, girl. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. It's like, you know, what I would say is like where I am may have been a mystery, but I was reminded of the history. Like I remember where I was. I remember what you brought me through. Like it's that kind of that altar of remembrance, those stones of remembrance Mm -hmm. where you have to go back and you're looking, okay, God, I remember you did this. Mm -hmm. And when I have nothing else to hold on to in the moment and where I like, this is all mysterious right now. It looks real crazy and shady and questionable, but I have to go back to what I know. And that's what I had to rely on in that season was this looks like a chaotic, crazy season. It makes absolutely no sense. But I remember you brought me through this. I remember you delivered me from this. I remember yeah. you stopped this situation. I remember you healed me. I remember. And so that was like enough to say, but God, you're real. Yeah. So even though let I would just say, Lord, let my circumstance be my circumstances be a lie and you be the truth. Yeah. Because you're real. And that for me was enough to keep me from straying. And honestly, I think the struggle sometimes is trying to get back that relationship that we used to have before you go through crisis or whatever it is. And it's like, it's okay that it, you don't get it back mm-hmm. because it's not supposed to be that. It, my relationship with God looks different 
it's not what it was. And that was hard for me to cope with for a long time because I'm trying to get back to that. Yeah, like you something's know, wrong. Yeah, right? like yeah, what yeah. is this elephant in the room? And it's right. awkward. And God's like, it doesn't have to be. He never gets tired of hearing about it. Like yes. I can talk about the loss of my son to him for 20 years and he'll be okay. Whereas, you know, the average person will be like, okay, now yeah. you can, you can move on now. But it's like that season, whatever your devotion time looks like, I think it adjusts based on when your life is. And I know that you were sharing earlier, like we get busy and this happens and that happens. And it's like, our devotional looks different in different seasons of our lives. And instead of us always trying to fight to get back what we had, embrace what God is giving us right now. Yeah, and good. that's okay it's to so have good. that yeah. in this season. Like, And honestly, I wouldn't trade. And it's tough to say because it was difficult, but I would walk through it all over again if I meant that I would have what I have with God now. Yes, it's wow. different. Yeah, It's not religion. <laughs> it's not lip service mm -hmm. it's it's relationship and it doesn't look like me every morning at my 6 a.m prayer crying on the ground like i used to mm -hmm. and you know having hours to spend with him now i'm a mom and a wife and i'm working part-time and you know coping with different things and walking through different things and it looks different and you know what it's okay but Absolutely. my foundation is strong right you know right and so that's so good yeah. that's good you have any other words you want to Share with the listeners. No, I don't have anything. Crystal, I man, you're you're a strong girl. And I thank you for sharing that. You pushed through. She was worried about being emotional. I'm like, that's what we do here. We yeah, cry right. sometimes, you know. Yeah. We go off. Well, I do, you know. We we have our little whatevers, but that's what I think people need to hear because mm -hmm. I I believe that what you walk through, I, I always feel like the things that God put us through is not just for us, but they're also for other people. Yeah, for sure. Yep. You know, and I can't, I can never minister to somebody who has went through what you went through. You know, I can't, but you can, you, you relate, you understand. And that, that goes back to Jesus being on that cross. Like mm -hmm. he suffered so much that there's nothing that none of us have been through that he cannot relate to. That's right. That's why we have to turn to him. That's so why we have to lean on him because he knows he knows the hurt. He knows the pain. He knows the betrayal. He he's been through it all. Mm -hmm. We can't. There's areas in our life that we just can't. We can't meet you there. Yeah. You know what I mean. But he like, can. Yes. And and that's what I pray the listeners would like hear that in this story of what she walked through, she turned to God. She turned to the cross. She leaned on Jesus. He met her there. He pulled her through. She didn't. She didn't know how she was walking. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he was carrying her. Sometimes he was dragging her. But she, she kept moving. And it was only it was the Christ in you that kept you moving. Mm -hmm. And to see you sitting here today, you're gonna look back. I mean, the fact that you're here—that's the truth. Just you being here <laughs> is a miracle. Very yeah. true. Seriously, mm -hmm. yeah. I, you are a walking miracle. Yeah. And I would even say if it's something, and it doesn't even have to be grief of a loved one of loss. I think we walk through that grief of a job, losing something that's valuable or important to us. I think we we grieve in different things. I've lost yeah. a job and grieved it. Yeah. You know, just like grieving a person, you go through the anger and the shock and the disappointment and the feeling not good enough. And, right. you know, so if that's your journey, the answer is still the same. Yeah. You know, it's still leaning on Jesus that's and it's right. like... If you have nothing to lean on in that moment, look back, you know, right, and just remember 
what he's done, yeah. you know? And if you don't have your life to look at somebody else, like, you know, I remember what they used to look like, yeah. you know, and building that altar of remembrance to remember, write those things down. That's Every right. time God does something That's in right. your life, write those things down. The because, God resume. Because it's going to get tough. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. it does, you can open that book back up and say, Lord, but I remember you brought me through this. Right. And if that's all you have to lean on in the moment, you know, I, have I, stones. I need to do that. I have stones upstairs. I actually went outside um, when we, I was in Ohio and I had like these little stones mm-hmm. and I just grabbed a bunch of them. And so when we were going through a journey where God literally called us out into the ocean, <laughs> and I'll share that one day, but we, we were called to leave everything we knew job income everything with two kids I knew I was about to go through a season and I I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget what all he did Mm. so every time God bought me out of something or helped me overcome something I wrote it on a stone yes and I have them they're on upstairs around my bathtub and I just look at them sometimes I pick them up and they're dated it's so good God did this God paid this bill God supplied this need Mm. God you know whatever it's so important the milestones you know, yeah. it's, oh, girl, yes, I can talk about this all day, but we don't have all day. <laughs> all right. So we're going to go into declarations. Crystal, do you have any? I do, actually. Yes. I- all right. All right. So if you guys are new to the podcast, what we do is uh, she will read the declarations. Are you just going to read them or do you want people to repeat after you? How do you want to do it? They can repeat. Okay. So can she's going to read. And you repeat, and I always say, say these declarations over your life because our words are power. You have to believe it. You have to declare it. You have to walk in it. All right, Crystal, whenever you're ready. Okay. I declare that healing is taking place in my heart and in this moment. That my feet are set on the solid rock and that every storm and every trial that the enemy has meant to destroy me is being used as a weapon to defeat him. I declare my life story will be used to bring healing and strength, strength to others, and that the enemy will regret the day that he ever touched my life or anything that belongs to me. I declare that your love is raining down and washing away fear washing away anxiety, and washing away brokenness. I declare that this is not the end of my story, but only the beginning. Lord, help me to honor you above my comfortability and that I would not fold, but be strengthened in every struggle. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for being a part. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. I hope that this was just another experience for you to heal, to -hmm. share your story. And um, I look forward to seeing how God is going to use you, girl. Thank you so much. You're a powerhouse. Appreciate that. An amazing testimony. Thank you, ladies. Awesome, awesome. Yes. Thank Thank you for coming. Well, guys, we pray that you have a good week and we will see you next week. Have a great day. Bye bye.